0: Well, welcome. My name is Tom. I uh, have the privilege of providing leadership to the church plant. This lead pastor. I'm on eldership along with Herrick and Heather. My wife Ebony. She couldn't be here today. Our, we woke up this morning and our uh, our youngest daughter it was sick, so it was just kind of a bummer. But so she sends her love. We live for our gatherings, so um, it's not fun to miss them. But either way, I just wanted to welcome you, say hi this morning. Uh, if you are new with us, um, we are in, like we just started this new series we we're going through. We're actually right in the middle of it. And we're calling this series, We Are Restored. And the point of this series is we're, we're going through our, our five values as a church. Wow, there's like an exodus coming in from outside right now. Thank you, guys. Come on in. Hey, Trav. Good to see you, man. So yeah, so like I was saying, we just started this new series called We Are Restored. We're going through our five values as a church. Um, kind of like the point of this series is to clarify and remind for us why we exist as a church. Like what we're all about. Who we are really? Um, so far, we have uh, we've covered gospel, which is our first week. Our main kind of our main value is the gospel of Jesus. We talked about how if our values was like a solar system, that uh, the gospel would be the sun. Everything orbits around the sun. Everything revolves around the sun. In the same way with us, if our if our five values were this was a solar system, the gospel will be the center. Okay, last week we talked about family, how the church primarily is a family. Um, This morning we're going to talk about dependence. Um, And it's kind of ironic. If you notice, I'm kind of, I don't usually have a a stool up here, but Kevin loves me and he brought me a stool this morning. I pulled my back out yesterday. Like, I've done this, I was telling some of you guys, this. I've done this twice in my life and every time I've done it, I've been in bed for like a week. And not like, um, oh, I'm just milking it, but like I can't move. If anybody ever pulled their back out, like, you know what I'm talking about, the pain? It's like next level pain. Like stuff comes out of your mouth, like words that you shouldn't say because the pain is so like immediate and it's awful. So I'm going to try not to swear, okay? (laughs) I'm going to try not to swear when I'm preaching. I promise I won't swear when I'm preaching. Don't worry. Some of your eyes got big like, oh, he's going to cuss when he preaches? No. Don't worry. Uh, But I am, I'm just grateful. Honestly, I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Like I genuinely thought yesterday, I'm like, I'm going to be in bed for a week. So I'm so grateful to be with you guys. I'm grateful to be walking. Grateful to talk about dependence. It's kind of funny that I'm talking about dependence when my back goes out, because you kind of depend on your back as a human being. So, so yeah, so um, go ahead and grab your Bibles. John chapter 15 this morning. Uh, that's what we'll be for some of, our, some of our time. John chapter 15. While you guys are flipping there, uh, anybody ever ran out of gas before? Raise your hand. Wow, a lot of you. Okay, yeah, so... I think that there's something really interesting that happens when you're a teenager. Um, Your kind of chances of doing really, really dumb things is that goes off the charts. Um, For instance, when I was a teenager, I was in high school, um, I've only ran out of gas one time in my life. And I ran out of gas because I was with a group of friends and we decided that we wanted to run out of gas on purpose. I don't recommend this for your car. I don't recommend this as a good time, but we decided to run out of gas on purpose as a group in my friend's, like, green, his mom's green Astrovan. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure she wouldn't have been stoked on that, but why would you run out of gas on purpose? We did it because we were bored. Now, I think that's a terrible reason to run out of gas, Uh, But either way, um, and actually it's kind of funny if you think about it, like I remember being a young kid and being like, boredom was the worst thing ever. Like if you're bored, you're upset because you're just trying, your whole life is avoiding boredom. I feel like now, boredom feels like a vacation. Like I would be soaked out of my mind if like, I'm bored? Like this is great, I can actually kind of rest. But either way, what happens when your car runs out of gas? It, It doesn't work, right? Because your car is dependent on gas okay? Silly analogy, but I want you to start thinking about this idea of dependence, okay? What about you as a person, your body? Your body depends on some things. Okay, it depends on oxygen. It depends on water. Okay, it depends on food. For many of us, it depends on coffee. Like, there's these realities of things that we depend on. That was a joke, by the way, the coffee one. You guys are allowed to laugh in a church gathering, okay? Even though if the jokes are bad, you should still laugh to make the... No, I'm kidding. Um, Either way, there's things that we depend on, okay? You get this idea. Today we're going to talk about what the disciple of Jesus depends on. If you follow Jesus, what does is, what is the Christian, what does the follower of Jesus, what does the disciple of Jesus depend on, and why this idea of dependence is so important to us as restored church, okay? If, if it's going to be a value of ours, why is dependence something that we value? So hopefully you're in John chapter 15 by now. I'm going to pray for our time, and then we'll jump in, okay? Um, Father, thank you that I get to be here this morning, just grateful for your kindness to me, grateful for your kindness to us. Uh, My prayer is that you would minister to us this morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're with us right now. You're not distant, you're not absent, you're with us, and you're always speaking, you're always declaring the glory of Jesus. So would you open our ears to hear you this morning? Would you open our eyes, like the eyes of our heart, to see you clearly and the affection you have for us and the love that you have for us and the grace and the mercy you have for us, God. Uh, help my back, please. I really want to be able to focus on you, God. I'm dependent on you. I love it. It's beautiful. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to read you John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 5 through 11, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read these intentionally slow. Okay, because I want you to kind of consider the imagery here. Um, I really want you to kind of like use your mind's eye and consider the imagery here. I'm going to read it. So this is the words of Jesus. He says this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him or her, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing. So this morning, we're going to talk about two things, okay? So if you're taking notes, write these down. Uh, There's like a notes section in the Restored app if you want to use that, um, or pen and paper is fine too, but here's the two things. We're talking about what is Christian dependence and what it means for us as Restored Church. So what is Christian dependence and what does it mean for us as Restored Church? So let's jump in. What is Christian dependence? Um, All throughout the New Testament, um, consider the workings of Jesus, Okay, all the gospel accounts, Jesus does all this stuff. Okay, much of it is spectacular. Much of it is miraculous. And what's interesting about all the things that Jesus did in these accounts of his life in the New Testament, we see him saying and doing things by the power of the Spirit. Okay, some examples for you. This isn't like an exhaustive lift, but I'm going to give you three this morning, okay? In Luke chapter 4, it says that Jesus was full of the Spirit to resist the temptations from Satan in the wilderness, If you remember that story, full of the spirit to resist the temptations of Satan in the wilderness. In Luke chapter 5, the very next chapter, it says that the power of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, was with Jesus to heal. Okay, Matthew 12, it says Jesus cast out demons by the power of the spirit. What's interesting about this is it's it's not talking about Jesus accessing his special God powers. Okay? It's not talking about Jesus doing things in his own strength. It's saying that he did things by the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's one thing that's clear about Jesus' ministry is that he was a person who relied on the Holy Spirit. Now listen, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Okay? But I think it's Philippians, uh, Philippians 2 talks about how he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his divinity, took on human limitations to be our substitute, to to basically live the perfect human life, to, to, to model for us what human life should look like, okay? And what he did, he did by the power of the Spirit of God, okay? So I want you to think about this. Like, think about the implications of this. Think about every single miracle that Jesus performed, all of them, okay? Giving sight to the blind, Okay, healing the leper, uh, raising people from the dead. Okay, every single miracle he performed, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about every Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled. I think we oftentimes think about Jesus as living this perfect life, right? Yes, he was sinless. He did that in our place. It's this beautiful reality. Like, he lived a perfect sinless life. That's impossible in my mind. Like, I can't do that. You can't do that. But not only did Jesus live this perfect sinless life, but he, like, he fulfilled the assignment, really, of the Messiah. All these Old Testament prophecies about what the Messiah was going to be like, what the Messiah was going to do, Jesus spent his time alive on earth fulfilling those prophecies. He did all that, every single one of them, by the power of the Spirit. Okay? Obviously, a, sinf- a sinless life, I mean, even rising from the dead. Everything that Jesus did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what's crazy. This isn't going to be new to some of you, but it's important that we talk about this. What's crazy about this is Romans chapter 8 tells us something profound. Romans chapter 8 tells us that if you're a Christian, if your trust is in Jesus, that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Think about the power there. Like, just consider for a moment, okay? That includes, like, everything that Jesus did, all his miracles, everything, okay? Now, a disciple, a disciple of Jesus, right, someone who's a learner, who's a follower, a disciple is somebody who's learning to enjoy, obey, and operate like Jesus in every single area of, his, of your life. So, hear me say this. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is actually doing what he did, That includes the miraculous. So, what I want you to see here is in everything Jesus did, he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus did some awesome stuff. He did some incredible things, okay? But, remember, God took on flesh. He took on human limitations by choice, okay? Fully God, fully man, but takes on these human limitations. Jesus, the God-man, he needed to be filled with the Spirit's power. If he was actually gonna accomplish... His Father, God's will for his life, he needed needed the Spirit to fill him. He needed the Spirit's power. Listen to me. As disciples of Jesus, so do we. And I don't think anybody in the room would say, hey, no, I don't need the Spirit's power. No, I think we would all acknowledge that with our minds. Yeah, it's something we need. But I think oftentimes we live our lives in such a way that we actually don't. So so this morning, when we talk about this idea of dependence— that dependence is something we value as the family of God, what we're talking about is depending on the Holy Spirit of God. Are you tracking with me? Give me an amen if you are, yes? Okay, great. All right. So, uh, how many of you guys enjoy wine? Raise your hand. Many of you, great. Yeah, wine's a gift from the Lord, it's awesome. Um, When Ebony, my wife, when she was in college, she worked at a winery. Um, And it was a great time because... I mean, most people in college are are relatively poor, you know, and you can't really afford to to buy nice wine. But she worked at this winery, and guys, the wine was so good. But it was really expensive. So she would get to take home, like, probably twice a month, she'd get to take home, like, a $100 bottle of wine. It was outstanding. The only thing was, I didn't really like wine. So I was like, okay, whatever. And she's like, my loving wife is patient with me and kind to me. But it was cool. She like, she taught me how to enjoy wine wine. She taught me how to, like, actually taste wine. I mean, she taught me how to, like, and let me just say this. You can enjoy wine without getting drunk, okay? Jesus did. His disciples did. But either way, my wife, she taught me how to enjoy wine. Like, when you pair specific types of wines with different kinds of meals, and just, like, the flavor, so delicious, okay? It was wonderful. Like, I I love that seasons of life. But here's the thing about wine, right? It contains alcohol, Wine contains alcohol. And here's the thing the more wine you drink, the more influence the alcohol has on you, right? We're familiar with this. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, greatest missionary, greatest church planner ever, he likened the Holy Spirit to wine. Let me read this to you really quick. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says this and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Paul's not like randomly condemning drunkenness here. That's not what he's doing at all. What he's doing is he's making a connection. Okay, he's making a connection. He's Basically, what he's saying is, in the same way being filled with wine results in being under the influence of alcohol, being filled with the Holy Spirit results in being under the influence of God. Almighty, right? <clears throat> Friends, the Holy Spirit, hear me say this. The Holy Spirit's really misunderstood. Not just in the church, but I feel like in the world. Like, the Holy Spirit is how God influences you. You hear me say that? It's how God influences you. So oftentimes, I'll witness Christians, and they'll actually be experiencing God in some really cool ways. Like, even in some really simple ways, they're experiencing God, and they're unaware that they're having this encounter with the Holy Spirit because they're not, they're not familiar with how the Holy Spirit operates The Holy Spirit's how God influences you. So, listen to me. Whenever you experience the love of God in Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit at work in your life, man. That's him. Uh, I don't have the verse for you, but in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it's verse 3, um, it says that no one can even say Jesus is Lord, like from their heart, no one can actually proclaim the Lordship of Jesus except by the Holy Spirit. Think about the implications of that for a second. So whenever you even have the simplest thought, the simplest thought that glorifies Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. That's him. Something as simple as like, Jesus is God. Jesus is glorious. Like he died for me. And he did it on purpose to to display and declare his love for me because he loves me, right? Right? Like, listen, that's the Holy Spirit. That's him influencing you. The Holy Spirit helps us experience God's love. So, here's the illustration I like to use. Whenever the truths about who God is and what he's done, the goodness of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, whenever that moves from your head to your heart, guess who's responsible for that? The Holy Spirit, absolutely. It's the miraculous work, supernatural it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So here's my question to you today: How are you doing? What's up with you? What season of life are you in? What's influencing you today, this morning? What ki- what kinds of things are influencing you? The scripture, the scriptures would say, and this is I, I really firmly believe this. I believe the scriptures would say there's really only three things. There's really only three things that will influence you. Three options: the Holy Spirit, your sinful flesh, or the enemy. Satan, okay? And more often than not, Satan even, he like influences you through your sinful flesh. So what's influencing you today? And if you're having trouble recognizing, just look at your behavior. Look at your thoughts. Look at maybe even sometimes your words. What's influencing you today? Um, All throughout the scripture, we see this kind of contrast. I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, You see this contrast in the scripture is about walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. Let me read something to you out of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 and 17, this idea of walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh. Uh, Paul writes this, he says, But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Do you see these opposing things here? For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So this idea of walking in the spirit, okay? Basically what walking in the spirit is is it's following God's lead in your life. It's, it's, it practically it's obeying what he says. Okay, that's walking in the spirit. It's being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? Yes, okay. Walking in the flesh is the opposite. Walking in the flesh is doing things my way. Um, I'm an expert at this. If you ever need uh, counsel on how to do things your way, come talk to me. I've screwed up my life in some pretty massive ways by doing things my way. By walking in the flesh, it's doing things my way. It's, It's being under the influence of your sinful flesh. You're seeing these two different things. Walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. Okay, so the disciple of Jesus is someone who practices walking in the spirit. Okay, practice means you develop. It means something you, it's something you're, you're trying, you're developing, you're doing over and over and over again. You're putting effort in. Okay, the gospel is opposed to earning. You cannot earn it, but it's not opposed to effort. Okay, we, but with all that effort comes in response to who he is and what he's done out of his goodness, okay? So, <clears throat> the disciple of Jesus, someone who's practicing walking in the spirit, who seeks to be under the influence of the spirit of God, okay? Hear me, hear me say this. A Christian depends on the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about what we actually depend on the Holy Spirit for. Okay, what do we, we, we want to be people who are dependent on the Holy Spirit for what? Okay, I'm going I'm to cover three things today. The first is this we, just, we depend on the Spirit for fruit. Okay, look back um, at verse 5 here in John chapter 15. I'm going to read it again. This is Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, Jesus is saying if you want to bear spiritual fruit in your life, you need the Holy Spirit's influence. Because apart from God, you can do nothing. Okay? Later in Galatians chapter 5, we read a little bit earlier, but it gets specific about what spiritual fruit is. You guys have heard the fruit of the Spirit. Most of you, if you've been around church uh, any length of time, you've probably these are gonna sound familiar, but these, the, Paul gets really specific about this spiritual fruit. So here's, here's what the outcome, the fruit, right? The outcome of, what, of being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what it looks like, okay? Galatians chapter five, uh, verses 22 and 23. says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome of being influenced by the Holy Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, friends, when you're living under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, the result, the fruit, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These beautiful things. How do those things sound to you? I think they sound flippin' awesome. Awesome. Okay, Like I want my life to be marked by a series of experiencing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. That would be spectacular. Now here's the thing. Walking in the flesh, walking in the flesh is different. It results in the opposite. Okay, so think about this. Think about the opposite of love. Think about the opposite of joy. Think about the opposite of peace. I'm gonna go through all these. Think about the opposite of patience. Stay with me. Think about the opposite of kindness, the opposite of goodness, the opposite of faithfulness, opposite of gentleness, and the opposite of self-control. How does that sound? Not as good, huh? Think of how often we, like, walk in the flesh, man. And maybe, yeah, maybe it's satisfying in the moment. We feel, like, justified, like someone cuts us off or someone says something unkind to us or whatever it is. But it ultimately, leads to the opposite of what we actually desire. It's kind of crazy. It's the opposite of what we actually desire. Um, it bums me out as a pastor, honestly, because I think that there's this, there's this notion or there's this belief that following Jesus is, like, a drag, Like, it's a bummer, you know? And the bummer is because that that couldn't be further from the truth, man. Because the fruit, the outcome of following Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, that sounds awesome. If that's the fruit of of having a Holy Spirit-influenced life, and again, the Holy Spirit is declaring the glory of Jesus and the goodness of Jesus. So if the result, the outcome of living a life that's influenced by the Holy Spirit results in the deepest longings of your heart being satisfied, how could we want to give ourselves to anything other than following Jesus? And I'm not not picking on uh, not yet Christians. I do this like every day. I believe the lie that something else is going to satisfy me and actually bring me joy, and it doesn't. It brings me the opposite of joy because I want to be under the influence of my authority sometimes and not the creator who loves me and knows everything about me. so Christians depend on the Holy Spirit to operate like Jesus did, okay? To bear spiritual fruit just like he did. So if we're gonna operate like Jesus, we desperately need the influence of the Holy Spirit. You with me? Okay. Next, uh, we depend on the Holy Spirit for salvation. This is massive, okay? So listen, when you actually believe the gospel, like when you actually trust in Jesus, in who he is, in what he's done That is the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, okay? Let me read you John chapter 15, verse 26. Again, the words of Jesus. But when the helper comes, the helper is the Holy Spirit, okay? When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Like, do you know what it means to bear witness? to, To bear witness is to testify, Okay, it's, it's to give like a testimony. Okay, it's the Holy Spirit who enlightens us to who Jesus is and what he's done. Not just intellectually, I mean trusting in it with your heart. Okay, <clears throat> the demons acknowledge that Jesus is God. They acknowledge that's true. You tracking with me? It's, we're talking about something different. It's not just acknowledging that truth exists. Okay, <clears> okay. <throat> the Holy Spirit, it's him who enlightens you to who Jesus is and what he's done, that Jesus is God in the flesh, man. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a virgin birth, there's my, these miraculous things, but it's God taking on flesh, that, that, that Jesus came for a mission, for a purpose, with an assignment, okay, to live the perfect life that I never could, that you never could in your place, okay, and then to die the death that you and I deserve for the ways that we reject and rebel against God. Ways that we don't want to be under his influence. That Jesus came and lived and died for those things. That's the gospel, right? We talk about this all the time. The good news. It's not advice. It's not directions. It's not principles to live your life by. It's news. It's information about who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay? And we talked about how the gospel, right? The gospel is that God, almighty God, like creator of the universe Holy. We talked about what it means to be holy. It means to be set apart. It means God's in a league of his own. Like there's nobody, there's nothing like him. He's holy. He's everlasting. Like this holy, incredible, no one like him God. Perfect, righteous in all of his ways. God. The gospel is that that God loves me, the one who rejects against his authority the one who does things my own way. That's crazy. That's the gospel. It's the good news. It's information about what's been done, not advice, right? We talked about this. So here's my point. Your mind can know, your mind can acknowledge even the truths of the gospel. Give me just a second. Um, Yeah, let me say that again. Your mind can know the truths of the gospel, but it's the Holy Spirit that enlightens our hearts to the gospel, Moving from here to here. You're tracking with me. Let me read you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, quick. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So listen, the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of faith, of, of trust in who Jesus is and what he's done. So... We depend on the Holy Spirit to actually believe the gospel. Not to acknowledge it's true with our mind, but to trust in it and believe it with our heart. Are you seeing the difference? Yeah? I need to know. Yes? Okay. So we depend on the Holy Spirit to actually believe the gospel. We depend on the Holy Spirit for salvation. Thirdly, we depend on the Holy Spirit for sanctification. Um, We've talked about this a little bit. Sanctification is a fancy word. Um, It just means the process of becoming more like Jesus. Okay. Um, how many of you guys played sports in, in high school growing up? Handful of you. I played basketball and I played water polo. Uh, I loved water polo. Water polo is an intense sport. Um, it is so much fun. I loved it. It's, if, you, if you're not familiar, it's basically kind of like this hybrid of like soccer and basketball um, and like MMA in the water. <laughs> It's like this really unique sport, okay? Um, But either way, I played water polo. I loved it. Um, When I graduated, it was really cool. Um, The high school I went to, they asked me to coach the team when I graduated. Um, And I loved coaching. I I get so much joy out of, like, I don't know, motivating people uh, to, to like, achieve something they didn't think they could. I I just, I get excited when I see people, um, I don't know, like, walking in And what I don't know what they're made for. I just like I don't know, just succeeding in any way. It gets me excited. So I loved coaching, Um, but here's the thing about water polo. It's not for the faint of heart, man. It's not the kind of sport where you can just kind of show up and still play. Like you have to be, you have to be really conditioned. You have to be in pretty good shape. Uh, If not, you're going to drown. Like you're going to get beat up. Like it's a it's a real thing. Uh, You need to be in in shape and. Um, the reason you need to be is, if you're not familiar, you're, you're swimming and treading water the entire time. And essentially, if you're touching the ball, apart from, like, a full-on haymaker to the face, like a punch, you can, they can pre- your defender can pretty much drown you if they want to, if you're touching the ball. So you have to be in good shape, right? Because you're swimming, you're treading, you're doing all these things. And each new season, um, when, you know, my kids would come in, and sure enough, they would be semi-out of shape, because they'd been in the off season. And, and here's the thing too, is like I said, I played basketball as well. I don't know what it is, but like conditioning in the water versus running are like two different things. So I'd go from one sport to the next and I'd be in pretty decent shape because I just came off of a season and then it'd either be land or sea, not sea, but pool, you know what I mean? But I'd still be like gasping for air. So it's a different kind of conditioning, right? But sure enough, every single, at the start of every single new season, like my players would come in and they'd be semi out of shape and they'd be all excited to get the season going again, and they would jump in the pool, and sure enough, all they would want to do is practice shooting. All they want to do is practice shots on goal, <clears throat> but they were totally out of shape. So what I would do with them is for the first week, I wouldn't even put a ball in the pool. I wouldn't let them touch a ball because they have to get in shape because conditioning, being conditioned, especially in water pool, is primary. Shooting is Secondary. It's important, don't get me wrong, we're gonna practice that, but like you can't play the game if you can't stay above the water because conditioning is primary, shooting is secondary. The reason I bring that up is because as a pastor, I watch people I love and I watch them wrestle with this idea of what they're called to. Like they struggle, God, what's your will for my life? Like should I change jobs? Should I should I go back to school? Should I get get a better degree? Uh, Should I get married? Should we have another kid? All these things. Those are great. Those are important things. Okay? But they're secondary. They're secondary. God's primary will for your life is that you'd be sanctified. His primary will for your life is that you would look more like Jesus. That's your primary calling. It's like jumping into the, like doing the other thing would be like jumping into the pool and drowning while you're trying to practice shots on goal. Shots on goal are important if you want to play water polo. You can't score without them. But they're secondary. They're not primary. God's primary will for you, hear me say this, if you follow Jesus, his primary will for you is that you look more like Jesus and all of his glory and all of his beauty and all of his kindness. He wants you to look like Jesus. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 with me really quick. Verses 17 and 18. Uh, The words should be up here if you guys have them. I'll read it though either way. This idea of we depend on the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. We depend on the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. Now the Lord is the Spirit. I'm reading verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's where we get the idea of salvation, freedom, okay? And we all Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding what? The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, listen, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, God is in the process of transforming you, of making you more like Jesus. And it says from one degree of glory to another you know how small one degree is? It's tiny. Okay, what are they talking about here? No, one degree at a time. It, it, it means that it's not going to happen overnight, man. It means that just, there's this process. One degree of glory to the next. And how does that happen? How does this sanctification process happen? Look, it tells us in verse 18, it says, by the Holy Spirit showing us the glory of Jesus. So as we behold the glory of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit influencing us. You tracking with me? Okay, that's drinking deeply of the wine even that is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit influences us to see the glory of Jesus. What happens? We're like that butterfly or that, that, that caterpillar in the cocoon and we shift and we transform into the butterfly. And that butterfly is the glorious person of Jesus Christ. Like do you see how God is transforming you by showing you the glory of Jesus through the Holy Spirit? I know this is a lot. I just need you to know, like, I don't want you to know this. One degree. Thank you, girl. Our boy, I can't tell. Sorry. Amen. Either way. <clears throat> so, listen to me. The more time you spend thinking about, reading about, singing about, meditating on the glory of Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit transforms you into Jesus' likeness. Friends, it's like drinking wine. The more wine you drink, the more effect it has. The more under the influence you become. So we depend, as Christians, Restored Church, we depend on the Holy Spirit for fruit, for salvation, and for sanctification for becoming more like Jesus. Okay, my last point. I'm almost done. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us as Restored Church? Okay, okay, What does it mean that depending on the Holy Spirit is something that we actually value? Like it's really, really important to us. Okay, I'm going to stay with this kind of wine analogy, right? What it means is that as individuals and as a community, so individually and communally, we seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's something we want. It's something we're seeking, okay? We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Dare I say we want to be drunk on the Holy Spirit? Now listen, when I say that, there can kind of be some weirdness with that. When I say drunk on the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about doing weird things. It's not what I'm talking about at all. What I I mean is we want to be radically under the influence of God. We want to radically operate like Jesus. And not our sinful flesh. So listen, do you know what happens when a community of people are filled with the Holy Spirit? they walk in the Spirit. And do you know what happens when a community of people actually walk, like an action, a verb, right? Ooh, sorry. Do you know what happens when a community of people actually walks in the Spirit? It means that there's a bunch of us that operate just like Jesus. Think about how Jesus operated. Think about the way he treated people. Think about the way the outcasts of society were transformed just by a conversation with him. Think about how much the kingdom of heaven, the way things are supposed to be, under God's rule, he's king, think about how much of the kingdom of heaven gets ushered into this reality. Consider the ramifications of even a small group of people being drunk on the Spirit. Not doing weird things, but being, he- being completely under the influence of Almighty God and operating like Jesus. Gets me fired up. If, I wasn't, if my back wasn't out, I'd be doing cartwheels right now. You guys don't even know. <clears throat> so really quick, I'm going to end with this. Some practical implications, okay? Like I want to highlight two things. What is, how does this play out? How does the idea of depending on the Holy Spirit... How does this play out in our community in some practical ways? The first one is prayer is massive, man. We want to be dependent on people. Like, prayer is a huge priority for us, okay? It's not an empty religious duty, friends. It's not something you just go through the motions. It's not words to impress the people that are hearing you pray. Like, it's not an empty religious duty. Prayer is engaging with our Heavenly Father. Creates you, knows you better than you know yourself, and is infinitely loving towards you because of Jesus, Okay, prayer is engaging with our Heavenly Father who loves you, whose will for our life is that we become more like Jesus in every way. And he wants to guide us in that process through the Holy Spirit, right, influencing us. He wants to guide us in that process of becoming more like Jesus for your joy. That's what it talked about in John 15. For your joy and for his glory. He's seeking your joy. This might sound weird, but like, I know my back hurts really bad, but there's this joy associated right now that I wouldn't have if my back wasn't out because I can see how the Holy Spirit's influencing me and my own need for him and his grace in my life. I told you this. The last two times I did this, this happened to me, I was in bed for a week each time. I know that sounds crazy. I'm always grateful to be here on Sundays with you guys, but today I'm especially grateful. And it's actually really healthy It's really healthy perspective for me and the ways that that God wants to make me more like Jesus where my circumstances don't dictate my joy. His affection, his love, and his mercy for me is what dictates my joy. God's growing me too. He's sanctifying me. He's changing me. And it doesn't always look like the way I want it to, but it's so good. It's for my joy and it's for his glory. He's doing it. Okay, it means like we don't just talk to God too; we actually listen to Him. This idea of prayer. Okay, the next one. Uh, this will be kind of fun for us. Um, <clears throat> as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter fourteen, we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Like we eagerly desire them. We want them. We want the Spirit to manifest Himself in our lives and through our lives. Can okay, we read you this? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verses four through seven. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who, what? Empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, excuse me. We depend on the Holy Spirit because he is the one who empowers these gifts of the Spirit. And we eagerly seek them. So we depend on him because he empowers them. And verse uh, 7 tells us why God has gifted each of us. What does it say? Why did he gift us? Verse 7. Yeah, for the common good. Okay, so here's the big idea. Listen to me say this, Christians. Your gifts are given to you. They are not for you. I'm going to say that again. God gives you your gifts. They're given to you, but they're not for you. Okay, I've used this analogy a bunch of times before, but it's like a UPS driver. Okay, you got your truck, it's filled with packages for Christmas, you know, like, uh, and your truck's filled with all these presents, all these packages for Christmas that are going to get delivered. You as the driver, you you didn't put them there. Like, you you didn't create them, you didn't package them, they're there, apart from you, they're there, but they're not, they're given to you, but they're not for you. They're given to you for the purpose of delivering to other people. You following me? Your spiritual gifts, they serve the same purpose. They're they're given to you, but they're not for you. They're not for you to find an identity in. I'm the preacher. I'm the worship leader. I'm the prophet. I'm the, the, like, your identity is your chosen beloved son or daughter of the king. That's who you are. But those gifts, they're not they're given to us, but they're not, they're not for us. Okay, let me read you one quote quick from this fantastic book on spiritual gifts. This guy, Sam Storms, uh, he wrote a book called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. You guys have that quote? Great. He says this, quote, Spiritual gifts are not just, I'm sorry, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God Himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working His sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts must never be viewed deistically, as if a God out there has sent something to us down here. Spiritual gifts are God present in, with, and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, and human love. Spiritual gifts are God going public among his people. I love that. The gifts that you possess, the spiritual gifts that you have, they're given to you, but they're not for you. They're God manifesting his love in and through you. Your spiritual gifts exist so that God can declare his love to the people around you. They're given to you. They're not for you. So here's what's so great about that. Look around the room. It's got people who, if the Spirit of God lives in them, they have spiritual gifts. And guess who those spiritual gifts are for? They're for you. The church is a beautiful thing, friends. The church is a beautiful thing the body of Christ, the family of God, each of you, given grace gifts, that means you don't deserve them, grace gifts to you, your UPS drivers, your truck's full, to deliver gifts to the family of God. It's this beautiful thing. God really loves you and he wants to communicate it. Um, So really quickly, here's what I want to do. I know I'm at, yeah, I'm kind of going long, but it's okay. Uh, I want to read you a list of spiritual gifts and what I want you to do is I want you to, um, when I read you these, I want you to consider for just a moment two things. One, if you have this gift or you desire this gift and if you do, recognize that those gifts are for you to deliver, right? You're the UPS driver. So the first thing, I want you to, we're going to review this list. Do you have this gift or do you desire to have this gift? Okay? And then understand that the purpose is to deliver it. And the second thing is, is, who else in our church has this gift? So if you can identify somebody else in the church who has this gift and understand that, that gift is for you. It's in their possession, but they're to be delivering it to you. You're tracking with this. Okay, let me read this to you. Okay, the first one, discernment. I think you guys have this, yeah. Discernment, this is what it is. Recognize and distinguish between the influence of God, Satan, the world, and the flesh. My wife, she has the gift of discernment. Ebony, I, this has happened multiple times. Let's keep going. I don't want to take up too much more time. Evangelism. Proclaim the gospel with the goal that the lost would come to know Jesus. Okay, exhortation. Motivating spiritual growth and action. Giving. Meeting the various needs. This isn't just money, but it's part of it. Meeting the various needs of the church, its people, and its ministries. Okay, Robbie has this gift. Paul has this gift. Many of you guys have this gift. Hospitality. This is a big one that's misunderstood. Benevolence done towards those outside one's normal circle of friends. As is implied by the literal meaning of the Greek word love of strangers. So the Greek word hospitality, it means love of strangers, okay? Tiffany has this gift. Jules has this gift. Nancy has this gift. Many of you have this gift. Leadership, the next one. Leading God's people into deeper relationship with Christ and each other. Mercy. Mercy. Patience and compassion towards those who are suffering and afflicted. If you have a mercy group or a mercy gift, it means you see someone suffering and you are crying with them immediately. You are right there with them. Okay, Cassie Logue has this gift. Jason Wilson has this gift. Lisa has this gift. My wife has this gift. Many of you guys have a mercy gift. Miracles. Supernatural occurrences that happen at God's discretion and reveal the presence and glory of God among his people. Okay, this would be like kind of like the gift of healing would fall under this one. Next one, pastor and shepherd. Okay, these are this is a gift. This is not like the office or role. Different. Okay, to pastor is to shepherd. Okay, here's what it says: to care for the spiritual well-being of a local body of God's people. Herrick is one of the most gifted shepherds I know. He shepherds my heart daily. <clears throat> Jason has a shepherding gift. Mark has a shepherding gift. I'm excited to see what more shepherding gifts, especially ladies. Prophecy. Prophecy is God bringing awareness to something when shared with others results in spiritual fruit. So it's revelation from the Lord that when that's declared results in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. <clears throat> okay, Heidi Deal has this, I believe. Uh, Ebony has this, I believe. The next one's Serving to meet the needs of the church as it fulfills the great commission of making disciples and to free up others to use their gifts to the fullest. Brandon has this gift. Absolutely. Both Kevins have this gift. Mama Logue has this gift. Jack, where you at? You have this gift. A lot of you guys have this gift. A couple more. Teaching. Effectively communicates what the Bible says, what it means, and how to apply it to our lives. Okay, Chad has this gift. Colton has this gift. Um, Tongues, speaking a message that glorifies God in a language that is unknown to the one speaking it. Interpretation of tongues, it's interpreting that message. Okay, wisdom, last one. Intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments that is used to guide others towards a life of holiness and worship. Any of these resonate with any of you personally? None of them. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Gabe. Any of you guys be able to recognize people in your community that have these gifts too? We depend on the Holy Spirit because He is the one who empowers the gifts. We are in a really exciting season as a church plant, guys, because we're a church plant. We're an infant baby. We're learning about each other. We're learning about the ways that God has poured His Spirit out and is continuing to pour His Spirit out to declare His love to us through each other through these spiritual gifts. It's a beautiful thing. So, listen, if you're a Christian, God is calling you to bless other people under the influence of the Holy Spirit, okay? And he's gonna do that through those gifts. Here's what that means practically, okay? It means that whenever the church gathers together, stay with me, whenever the church gathers together, we should be the most expectant people in the world. Like we should be fully expectant when we gather together. Why? Because God loves his people. He loves his people. And guess what the primary instrument that he uses to declare that love is? You. You. If the Spirit of God is in you, it's you. So we should be expectant people, okay? Whenever we gather, how's God gonna use me today? And I'm not talking just about worship gatherings. This is important. This is great. This is beautiful. I mean in general. How's God gonna use me today to communicate love to somebody else? And how is God gonna, how like, is he gonna bless me today through other people? Another thing this means is that things literally aren't the same if you're not present. You matter. God's uniquely poured his spirit out into you. If you if you follow Jesus, if you don't I want to talk to you. Tell you all about the gospel. All you have to do is receive the gospel, actually believe it, not just acknowledge it's true, but grab a hold of it with your heart, and when you do, he pours his spirit out on you. And he starts to sanctify you, make you more like Jesus. And Jesus was a man who was radically under the influence of the Holy Spirit. All right, I'll call the band up, I'll close with this. I know I'm going long. So so here's the thing. We have two options as people. We're either, stay with me, we're either self-reliant or we're dependent on the Holy Spirit, okay? Self-reliant is like the opposite of a disciple of Jesus, for the record. So in the moments of my life where I'm self-reliant, I don't communicate the needs that I have to other people, especially the family of God, to help love me and care for me, empowered by the Spirit. When I do that, I'm self-reliant. I'm resisting following Jesus. Or we're dependent. And here's what I want to do. I want to end, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able. I want to end this morning um, sharing this beautiful promise as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. There's this beautiful promise in Luke chapter 11. Okay, it's it's two verses, 11, 12, and 13. It's three verses. I want to read this to you and I really want you to listen, okay? And then we're going to do some ministry. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 11. This is Jesus. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. God promises. He promises to give the Holy Spirit to His children. And listen, all you have to do is ask So, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to intentionally um, take some time because we need to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. We need to be influenced by the Holy Spirit so that we can l- enjoy, obey, and operate like Jesus. That's what disciples of Jesus do. <clears throat> so, here's how we're going to do it um, we're going to do it through a couple different ways. Uh, there's communion available. I'll give you you a moment to do that in just a second, but what communion is, it's a time when we can literally give our minds and our hearts together, not just individually, collectively as the family of God, where we can give our minds and our hearts over to this reality of celebrating and remembering what Jesus has done. Uh, The the gluten-free bread, it symbolizes his body, like nailed to a cross to atone for our sins because of his great love. The wine or the juice, it symbolizes his blood, like literally out of his veins, man. He willingly laid his life down so that we could be free, experience salvation. Okay, we're gonna, in a moment, the band's gonna lead us in a time of responding in praise and in worship. And God inhabits the praises of his people. The biggest one that I wanna point you towards this morning is prayer. Um, Can you guys come, be available for prayer? If you guys wanna come up now. Um, Jules, will you come up too? And then Chad, you back here somewhere, dude? Where you at, my man? Chad Class, you you alive? Okay, well, I'll, I'll track him down. He's alive, okay, good, as long as he's alive. <laughs> um, so here's what we're gonna do. Thanks, Chad. This is an intentional time of experiencing being ministered to by the Holy Spirit in a plethora of ways available to you. you don't, no one's forcing you to do anything, but there's freedom here. The band's gonna lead us. Um, these wonderful people are available for prayer, and here's what we're gonna do. <clears throat> what I wanna do, um, actually I'm actually gonna ask you to close your eyes. And I wanna call on God, our Heavenly Father, for him to honor the promise of giving more of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray over all of us that God would pour his Spirit out on us, that He'd fill it, that we'd be men and women who are influenced by the Holy Spirit of God to bear spiritual fruit that's beautiful and amazing, and to be secured in our in our in our salvation, to know that we're we're saved to know that we're delivered from the bondage of the lies of the enemy that would influence us that maybe our circumstances are what define our joy or our peace, that's bogus. And that he'd sanctify us, he'd make us more like Jesus. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna offer you, I'm gonna invite you to hold your hands out in front of you. This isn't like a super religious thing, this is just a posture of receiving. It's an act of faith, I want more. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray over us And then these guys are going to be available for prayer throughout the rest of the morning, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we want more. We want more of the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. We don't want to just be people who have this head knowledge. It's important. Theology is vital. But we want to be people who actually believe and trust it. Because if we believe it, it's going to influence our behavior. And the world, the people around us, will encounter the radical grace of Jesus to the degree that we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God and not the spirit of our sinful flesh. But all of us, we want the we want that temporary pleasure of of, of giving into our sinful flesh, of living for ourselves. But I pray freedom over this room, Spirit of God. I pray freedom only you can bring influence us. We depend on you. This isn't something that we can earn but we can seek it. We can seek you. And that's my prayer. For every person who wants to receive more of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour yourself out and lighten our hearts and our minds to the beauty and the glory of Jesus, the lover of our soul, that no one can take that away from us. We depend on you for fruit. We depend on you for salvation. We depend on you for sanctification. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit. Speak to every heart in the room. Not my voice, your voice. God's bringing things to mind even right now. He's giving, you some, he's giving some of you direction right now. is communicating his great love right now. That's him. It's not your conscience. It's not your imagination. That's him. Father, we love you. We want to be men and women who are consistently living a life of responding to your goodness. Continue to minister to us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your holy and beautiful name that we pray. Amen.